Welcome to Witch Talks, the series for spiritual seekers, witches, and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, professional tarot reader, astrologer, and witch, and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favorite witches. Hello, hello. I'm so glad to have you back with me today. I hope you're having a wonderful day, and no matter when you're catching this, it's the right time. Today, we are talking about low energy witchcraft. And I got to tell you, this is probably the best time for me to talk about this because as I'm recording, I have just come off two weeks of being really unwell. So it's very topical for me currently. You may still hear a little bit of a nasalness, nasalness, nasaliness, and a little bit of a croakiness to my voice. Yeah, that's because I've been sick. (laughs) All right, low energy witchcraft. What is it? And why am I talking about it? So low energy witchcraft, I don't know if this is a real term that people use and it's a thing. Something I use and say a lot. I don't know if I made it up. I probably didn't. It's probably really common. But low energy witchcraft is exactly what it sounds like. Things that don't require a lot of energy to do, but it's still magical and still special and still wonderful. I class it as magic that is quick and easy And it's an effective way to incorporate this magic into your everyday so that you don't need to exert yourself too much. The people who generally need a low energy style of witchcraft are folks who are disabled, people who are chronically ill, people who are time poor, new parents, honestly, anyone can use it. It's like accessible witchcraft, right? Anyone can do it. You don't need to be one of those things to have to do it, but those people are going to be the ones that need it the most. So for example, when I was a new mother and both times when I had both children, you don't have time to even shower, nor do you have the energy. I'm also disabled and chronically ill. So it was very tricky to try and weave my magic into my life, even though, and this is the key point, even though I desperately, desperately wanted to. I wanted, I craved that connection to my magic and I wanted and I desperately sometimes needed to do specific spells and I just, I couldn't, I didn't have the energy. So no matter the reason, whatever your reason, it's valid, you're allowed to use low energy witchcraft whenever you damn well please. So why even bother? That's another question. Why bother with low energy witchcraft? Well, just because you can't do a lot doesn't mean you don't want to, as I've mentioned. Trust me, it is incredibly frustrating to want to do things and to be physically unable to do the things. Incredibly frustrating. So finding ways that you can do what your body needs you to do and do the thing you kind of really want to do is just a bonus in my opinion. (laughs) Are you coming to join me for recording today, River? My cat is being very curious today. All she wants to do is be up in my grill and she keeps walking over my laptop. I have to keep making sure that she hasn't accidentally stopped it from recording. She's typed things. River, this is not the way. Don't you grow on that laptop. A question I am often asked is, is it still effective? And the answer is yes and. So yes it is. And sometimes there are more effective ways to do a specific working or a spell or a ritual. And sometimes we just simply cannot do it that way. So this is the best thing for us. Does that make sense? I hope I'm explaining it properly. Let me give you an example. 
let's say you have someone who is talking smack about you and they are being very unkind. You just want to get them off your back and get them to just calm the fuck down and leave you alone. There are many ways you can do this. There's common ways you might see where people use cow's tongues, where they use lemons, where you do all sorts of things, you sew things shut, all sorts of things. A low energy form of that magic might be to throw them in the freezer. For legal reasons, I don't mean literally. I mean you write their name on a piece of paper, you fold it away from you, or you scrunch it up and you just throw it into the freezer. You could combine that with like a stop slander or a stop gossip candle that is already fixed that you buy from a shop. You don't have to do anything to it. The work's already been done for you and you burn that. Spell done, working done. You've used magic to effectively help you in your life and you haven't had to do a lot to do it. This is what I mean by low energy witchcraft. Would the other version where you are using a bunch of herbs, sewing up a tongue, all of that, would that be more effective? Possibly. But you can also keep that in your back pocket for if things still aren't working for you, then you up the ante. And of course, if you need to, you'd have to pick your timing very well in accordance with your own body and your own needs. So let's go through some more examples of what I would class low energy witchcraft. And look, before I do that, the reason I wanted to do this episode is because I don't want you guys to feel you can't do stuff, right, because of the constraints of your body or time or circumstances. A lot of low energy witchcraft is also budget witchcraft. Like it's, it covers so many things. It's easy witchcraft. I would say it's beginner friendly, depending on what you're doing as well. Obviously, the longer you've been doing it, the easier it becomes and the easier it is to think up things that you can do as well. So just a few examples. I find tea magic is so, 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 so beneficial. This is where you have maybe your daily coffee or tea ritual. It's really just a hot drink ritual. And you're using specific herbs based on what your intent is. You want to bring in abundance? You sprinkle in some cinnamon into your coffee. You want to work on developing your third eye? Maybe you put some mugwort in your tea. FYI, mugwort is not safe for anyone who is pregnant or breastfeeding or trying to become pregnant. Little side note there. And then when you're stirring your tea, maybe you say an incantation. Anytime I come up with a little incantation to breathe over the top of my tea, I write it into my book of shadows. So I'm going to gift you guys with one of my own personal spells that I use. It's a tea spell. And I use a lot of herbalism in my craft as well. So I like to use this one if there's been some emotional upheaval. If I've been having a really hard time dealing with things, this is what my go-to low energy witchcraft spell is. Basically, I brew an infusion of lemon balm, nettle, rose and chamomile. You can do equal parts of each, maybe a half teaspoon of each of the dried herbs. It's totally up to personal preference and taste. Now, what I do is as I'm adding each one in, this is what I say. Lemon balm will soothe the soul. Nettle removes the daggers of old. Rose to bring the love back in. Chamomile gives me peace within. And then what I do is I will brew the tea. After it has brewed for approximately five to ten minutes, I remove those herbs and I'll usually stir in a sweetener, maybe maple syrup or a rice malt syrup. 
I stir clockwise, saying lemon balm will soothe the soul. Then I go to anti-clockwise, nettle removes the daggers of old. Then clockwise again, rose to bring the love back in, continually clockwise, chamomile gives me peace within. And I'll say it one third time when I'm not stirring, just like whispered over the top of my cup. So lemon balm will soothe the soul, etc., etc. And then I sort of breathe it as I'm saying it, like I'm breathing those words into the cup. And then I'm good. My cup has been basically charged with that intent. Those herbs correspond with that both in herbalism and in witchcraft. And I can go about my day and drink my cup of tea in peace. I can take it with me to the bedroom if I need to be in bed that day. I can take it with me to my laptop if I'm working. Whatever the need, I have my tea, I have my magic, and it's done. And it doesn't take a lot of extra effort to me just making a cup of tea. Right? It's just a little bit more, but it's still very low energy witchcraft. You're welcome. Oh, and please, if you do use that, if you use any of the tips that I give in my podcast, any of the spells, any of that, please let me know. I would love to know how it goes for you. Send me a DM. I'm always open to them. Better yet, maybe you can leave me a review. If you head on over to Apple Podcasts, you can write a review. If you have Spotify, you can just hit the little five stars. You can do it on whatever app you're using. If you want to write one and you don't have access to Apple, then please feel free to just DM me the review and I can make it into a little graphic and share it. Or you can leave it as a like actual Google review. That would be wonderful. Especially if you've got something useful out of this podcast, it would really, really make my day. All right, so let's go to some more examples of low energy witchcraft. Candle magic is a big one, right? Now, obviously, if you're going to be making your own candles from scratch because you want to be there for the whole process of the magic, that is not low energy witchcraft. If you are low on spoons, you can, you are allowed to go to a shop and buy a prefixed candle. You can use a tea light candle for a tiny little spell. Like there are so many ways and candle magic can be so quick, efficient and easy if you allow it. You can make it as fancy as you want as well, but I'd argue that's a bit too much effort for a lot of us listening to this particular episode. Now, if you're not sure where to start with candle magic, my candle magic class is on sale in my shop at the moment. I will be keeping it in my shop for the month of March and then it's going to be disappearing from the shop forever. Well, this particular one at least. So get in there whilst it is still up for grabs. Some more examples would be sigil magic. I love this one. Yes, you have to create the sigil yourself, which I highly recommend you do. Don't use other people's sigils. I mean, like you can, but I just never trust them. Make a sigil for whatever it is that you want, and then it's done, and you can just write it on stuff. It makes it so easy. For example, you can make a sigil for beauty or for youth, and then draw it on your face in your moisturizer underneath your makeup. So quick, so easy. You can use a pen in the corresponding color to the intent that is within the sigil and write it on your wrist underneath your watch or on your stomach if it's a fertility sigil like there are so many cool ways you can utilize sigils if you've listened to my episode on craft witchery with rachel henderson she puts them on her sewing machine brilliant so brilliant i love to draw sigils for things like protection and healing onto rocks and then i put the rocks under my pillow because sometimes and they're like a good decent sized one that you can hold in your hand because I do have migraine disease, oftentimes when I'm in bed and and I cannot function, 
at all to the point where I usually can't even swallow. I need something to distract me from the pain. And if you've never had a migraine, the pain is enough to make you want to just end everything. Like it is insane, the pain levels that you can get to. So having a rock under my pillow that I can hold in my hand, it's something physical. I can squeeze it. doesn't matter how much I squeeze it. I'm not going to break it. Uh, It's not going to hurt me to squeeze it either, but it gives me another sensation to focus on away from my head because sometimes medications fail or I can't take anymore. And sometimes you just, you just need a rock in your hand to squeeze. So sigils are wonderful. Now crystals, it depends where you are on the crystal scale, I guess, whether you like using crystals or not. I guess it's not really a spell. It's not magic, but I do find crystals and their healing properties and what they represent to be magical in and of themselves. Low energy witchcraft, because they kind of a set and forget. You can get them in jewelry format. So as a, a necklace, as earrings, as rings and bracelets, whatever you want. And then the ritual act of choosing which one to place on your body on any given day, that is magical. That's bringing the magic into your everyday. I look back at photos and videos of myself and I see, oh, I'm wearing the selenite necklace with the blue kyanite. Great. Awesome. I know exactly what was going on for me on that day or in that time in my life. Oh, look, I'm wearing my lapis lazuli earrings. Oh, cool. I must have been working really hard on my psychic divination course at that moment. Like I can see the reasons why I've chosen certain things at certain times. It's really fun to look back on and it's really a fun way to work with jewelry, I think. So this includes things like protective talismans. I have, so I have this necklace that I have three different things on it. So there's either the Eye of Horus, an Ankh, or a little beautiful red ruby. And I use this necklace as like a cycle necklace. I don't know. I I just tend to wear, I wear the ruby when I'm bleeding. And it's great because my daughter will be like, oh, I see you have your period because you're wearing your ruby necklace. Let me go make you a cup of tea, mum. You go lie down. It's so beautiful. And then once I've finished bleeding, then I will wear the Eye of Horus. And I'll wear that up until approximately ovulation. And then I swap and I wear the unk. This is just something I've developed for myself and I love it. It's like a physical representation of where I'm at in my cycle. All of them have specific meanings for me that I can bring into my everyday life and it's really subtle as well. It's not like a big garish necklace. It's very, very subtle little amulet that tucks into my top. It's beautiful. Oh, I suppose we should also talk about divination as well, because divination forms a huge part of my witchy practice. As you guys know, I have an entire course on how to do divination, psychic divination and work on your psychic abilities and all of that. You can sign up to the waitlist in the description to this episode, because I will be opening the doors to new students soon. I only open the doors twice a year, so that will be happening soon if you would like to join. And this time there's going to be a very good payment plan for those who need it as well. So when it comes to divination, this can sometimes be a big effort in and of itself, right? You see people doing the Celtic cross spread with their tarot, and I, me with my low spoons, is like, oh, stuff that, I'm not doing that. If I can't answer it with one to three cards, I'm not asking the question good enough, right? So I think allowing yourselves to just do one to three cards is good you don't need to be doing this the Celtic cross. 
So you can even utilize technology in this regard. There are apps that you can use to read tarot with. There are websites that's like a tarot card generator. So you can ask your question and then it just shows you a card and gives you what that might mean. You're allowed to use these things. If they make your life easier, use them. If they make your witchcraft and your divination and your rituals easier, use them. There are times when I am so like weak and heavy, like my body is, that I could not even fathom sitting up or holding a tarot deck, let alone pulling cards and trying to figure them out. So use your phone and be like, tarot card generator. Okay, I want to know this. Boom. There it is. That's okay. That's still witchcraft. It's still valid. I promise you that. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Another thing us witches like to do is we like to cleanse. Now, I try to, when I have the spoons, I will try and do a big house cleanse on the new moon. That's what I like to do. And I usually use one, like my little cauldron with the little uh, charcoal discs, and I put my herbs on top of that because it makes a lot of smoke, and then I can just walk around the house with it. Sometimes I use a herbal bundle and light that. But when I'm, again, when I'm knocked down with something or the kids are sick and I have zero time and I can't do anything, it's okay to just open your windows and your doors to let some fresh air in and blast some sound cleansing beats through your phone as you walk around the house. Sometimes I just walk into rooms and I'll clap really loudly. and I'm like, yeah, it's like sound cleansing. Good. We're good. You can do that. It doesn't always have to be smoke. It doesn't always have to be a big thing. So I think this episode, a lot of it is really just permission. Permission to do things differently. Permission to do things in a way that is easier. Permission to do things in a way that doesn't take as long. Permission to be creative with how you do your witchcraft. And permission to take a break as well. You don't have to do something every day. You don't have to do something every month even to class yourself as a witch. For me, my witchcraft itself is a big F you to the church. It just shows that my entire being and everything that I am is the opposite of what I was raised in. And I love that. And there are months that go past where I cannot practice my craft in the way that I want to because of health, because of circumstances, because of what's happening around us. That doesn't make me not a witch. Of course, I'm still a witch. It ebbs and flows. And there are other times where I'm like, oh my gosh, where'd I get all this energy from? I feel great. It's like two weeks. I haven't had any pain. I can do all the things and I race around and do a million and one things. And then I usually bring on another flare, but you do it when you can. That's the point of this episode. So to summarize, low energy witchcraft is no less valid and no less effective than the big pomp and ceremony that you get. We can look at this comparison as well when we have things like what things like what we call low magic and high magic, which is folk magic and ceremonial magic. You will see from the people who practice both that both are effective. The ceremonial magic takes a fuck ton of more energy, resources, money, time, knowledge, learning in order to do. Not everyone has access to that. Not everyone wants access to that. And that's okay. The folk magic... Those are people who use what they have on hand. They use what's around them. Things like, oh my gosh, I should share with you guys. Hold on before we go. One of my favorite things is to use kitchen witchery. Kitchen witchery is one that I totally forgot to mention. It's a great form of low energy witchcraft. 
And I'm going to share with you guys one of my favorite things. So when I'm feeling ill, when my family, anyone in the family is feeling ill, I will often make a bowl of soup because soup is good for the soul. And so I've called this my feel better soup or my soup for the soul. You can use this if you would like. Doesn't matter what type of soup you're making. You just want to be stirring it whilst it's like just about to come off the pot. Or you can say this as it's as you're putting things in as well. But this is the incantation that I created. Soup for the body, soup for the soul, to lift the spirits, that's our goal. Bring us warmth and bring us healing, leaving us with a really good feeling. And I'll say that at least three times while stirring my soup. And then there's my good healing, happy soup to make me feel better when I'm not feeling great. Sometimes I've had Ben making the soup for me and I'll like sneak over and give it a stir and say this over it and then go back to the couch. And I don't think we should discredit things like, you know, if you pop a bay leaf in both of your shoes, that's going to give you protection and success in your day. Buy yourself some Florida water and spritz it over you as you walk out the door. That's going to be good cleansing for you. That's all you need. Like little things are all you need, guys. That's all I'm trying to say here. And lastly, you don't need (laughs) to always go and find a crossroads at midnight to dispose of spell work and remains and things like that. That's a lot of effort, especially for us folks that this episode is made for. You can put things in the trash. You're allowed to do that. You can flush it down the toilet. That's fine. I sometimes will time certain spells around bin day so I know that it's not going to be sitting in my house for a long time but yeah you don't need to be overexerting yourselves and putting yourself at more risk or putting your health at more risk for the sake of your magic that's like the opposite of what we want here and same with if you're time poor and you've got a newborn or you are you know breastfeeding and homeschooling or whatever's happening it's okay to give yourself a couple of years to be like, you know what, I'm just going to do the bare minimum for a few years and then get back into my magic full, fully in the way that I want when it's possible. I hate when I see people say we all have the same 24 hours in a day because we really don't. Some of us have ADHD, so we've only got two hours. Uh, some of us have chronic illness that steals time away from us. So it's okay to do things in your own way, in your own pace, to modify them and to make them easier. Okay, doesn't make anyone any less of a witch. So that's my main message that I want you guys to take away with today. If this has helped you or if you know someone that needs this episode, please share it with a friend. Please leave a review or please let me know. It would mean the world to me to know that this has helped you because this is the content. I make the content that I wish I had. I wish someone told me this 10 years ago. I wish someone had said, hey, it's okay. You don't have to do the big stuff. You don't have to make it fancy. I had to learn that for myself through trial and error when I'd pushed myself too far or when I couldn't do the fancy thing and I modified it and realized it actually still worked just fine. If you've ever taken my divination course in the tea leaf reading lesson, I do let everyone know that when I began, I would put the leaves in the cup because that's how you're supposed to do it. I'm doing air quotation marks as I'm saying this. And then I would try and like sip it and have to filter the leaves through my teeth. And it was not fun. It wasn't enjoyable. And then one day I was like, why don't I just add the leaves at the end? Why don't I drink my tea, leave a little bit and add the leaves then? And guess what, guys? It worked exactly the same. There was no reason I should have been putting myself through the torture of trying to strain tea leaves through my teeth. So I 
in human design, I have a one three. That's knowledge and experience. I experience all the BS so you guys don't have to. That's how I learn <laughs> so I can pass it on to you all. That's like my my shtick, my main thing. So I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. I look forward to bringing you more episodes as usual. That is my goal as a podcast host to bring you lots of episodes and for you guys to enjoy it. And if you would like a copy of the two spells that I mentioned here today, I will be posting them in the Suburban Witches Society Facebook group for my members to access easily on top of all of the regular monthly bonuses that they get as well. You'll find all relevant links in the description to this episode. And I hope that you have a wonderful day wherever you are in the world today. And I will catch you next time.